When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I remember being on my my elbows and my knees and a very vivid memory of blood pouring so steadily out of my nose that I'm watching this pool of blood get bigger in front of me. And I'm just washing blood. I mean, I'm, I'm pouring blood. It's not like drizzling, I'm like, I'm pouring blood. But in this moment, it's very serene and I'm very much in my own thought process. Misha Tate is a former UFC women's bantamweight champion, a, a stellar record of 19-9, and nine, and is back in the octagon to continue her fighting career, and we got her on Next Level, ahead of that awesome fight that is coming up soon. Andrew Curlin here with Colby Bass, here to preview, break down everything from our conversation with Misha Tate, Colby uh, you were you were on site in Vegas. You 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 had an early morning when we were setting up this next level production. Uh, when'd you get there? When'd you get to the studio? Uh, I ended up getting to the studio at seven thirty, I think, that morning. Um, so it wasn't early morning, but it was definitely worth it for sure. It was cool, and like right next door is the USC Performance Institute, which we got to tour with Misha afterwards. And I, I was telling you all week, I've been telling you ever since we recorded it, like this one, at least to me, feels different. Like I have been so excited to be able to share this just because Misha, in my mind, is so in tune with herself, her career, that it, it all just came out and, and was very present in that conversation. What do you think, just initial thoughts of, of that whole conversation with Misha? I thought her perspective and how how balanced she is in her life was just, um, it was amazing. Yeah. It definitely was a conversation that I learned so much from. Um, I mean, she's really one of the people that put women's MMA on the map. Yeah. And she, and I would say now, like just hearing her perspective and hearing just, I don't know, how she just lives her life is just, it was really, really interesting. And I thought, I just was amazed by by so many different things that she talked about. Recovery and like how she views, you know, winning as opposed to, it just was fascinating. We're going to get into a lot of that just in this part one this is going to be a two-part podcast series especially for you race fans to get you through the off season it's a long winter so uh hopefully this will be able to uh you know bridge the gap from the end of one season to the beginning of the next but yeah like you touched on a lot of interesting things even in this upcoming episode the concept of fear the concept of pain inside the octagon she gave such interesting answers. Plus, her upbringing story is fantastic. And there would be certain moments where if I were in her shoes, I would have quit. 
and she explains why not only did she not quit, but she even went even further with it. So uh, a lot of great stuff. We got connected with Misha through KHI management and Josh Jones, and well, that's where the conversation starts. We were talking about it right before we started, you know, the uh, recording the cameras. I'm like, hold on, hold on. Let's talk about this on air. So that's where the conversation starts. This is uh, our next level conversation with Misha Tate. You're talking about uh, drinking beer and eating pizza with Cowboy after that <laughs> match. Was that nice? To, like, I, I wanted to ask you this question, but I wanted it to be on, you know, for the record. Right. Uh, was that nice to just, like, let go after that? Like, is beer and pizza part of... Part of the training? I wouldn't think so. Oh, definitely not part of the training, but it's part of the celebration. <laughs> yeah. So, yes, you know, I ran into Cowboy. We fought on the same card in Orlando, and um, he was, had he was like, to the guild, full of Budweiser, like, in his pockets. His, he, had, he had jeans on, I believe, or maybe his fight shorts had, I don't know, he, whatever he had pockets, and I remember that they were stuffed with beer. And I was like, that's too many for you. Can I have one? <laughs> <laughs> so he gave me a beer, and we were just kind of like... I was like, how'd you get, you know, how'd you get with those sponsors? And that's eventually how I got with uh, with KHI management and was through Cowboy Cerrone. So, um, yeah, that was part of the post-fight celebrations, pizza and beer. I bet that had to feel nice. Oh, it's the best. <laughs> and especially, you know, the Victor's beer always tastes mm, sweeter. Definitely. You there's know, the fact that we both won. Oh, yeah, there's an extra ingredient in the in the winner's beer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, Misha Tate, thanks for joining us here on Next Level. I, I've been so excited ever since we set this up. I've been so excited to pick your brain. So, Well, I'm uh, looking forward to it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What, what's your day been like so far? Oh, so I, I, I think we were talking about this too. Like, I don't set alarms. Mm. I just wake up with the sun, and um, that's been so nice because I hate the sound of an alarm too. <laughs> we were talking about that. It's just like such a crude thing to wake up to. So uh, I woke up uh, about 6.30, um, got my kids ready for school. Um, I did not eat breakfast because I do intermittent fasting. Mm. I don't know if you ever, you ever played around with that a little bit. I have it's not. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, it's really cool. So um, I'm still fasted. I'll probably eat about an hour before I do my first workout and um, getting ready for this podcast, you know, getting things together and my thoughts. Uh, makeup and hair, you know, that takes a little time too. I'm sure you don't have to worry about that. You probably just roll out of bed, throw a little, you know. Just a little bit. A little yeah. bit in the hair and then <laughs> you're good. No, I was like, I, I straightened my hair, put my eyelashes on, you know, all those good things. Uh, what, what is like an intermittent fasting schedule look like through the day? So for me, I try to hit at least 13 hours every single oh. night. Huh. Where, so I, I stop eating two to three hours before I go to sleep, and then I usually won't eat for the first hour that I wake up. And that's pretty reasonable. I usually can do that and still manage to get my training. So if I wake up at 6.30, um, I'm usually eating by 7 or 8, and depending on when I stopped eating the night before. And then I hit my first workout at 9. Hmm. That's interesting. Yeah. And, and what are the benefits that you've noticed of it? Oh, it makes weight loss so much easier. Huh. So there's really two systems that your body burns energy from. One's a sugar burning system, one one's a fat burning system. But when we never get into a fat burning state, means we don't ever go long enough for our body to say, hey, I don't have any food coming in. You know, that's my first choice of energy is like, give me food and I'll use that food as energy, sugar, right? But if we don't have that, then the body goes into more of a state of ketosis. And when you get into that state, your body says, okay, well, we don't have food coming in, so we're gonna switch over and burn fat. And so when you trigger that, 
um, there's a ton of health benefits and uh, mental clarity, you know, a lot of great things that come from being in a fasted state, you know, but it's a little different for women. I won't go into all of that. You know, there's definitely ways to fast for females that for you guys is like piece of cake. You pretty much fast whenever you want to, <laughs> however you like to. We kind of have to be a little bit mindful of like our, our body's cycle of hormones and things like that and how we do it. But for me, that that 13 hour fast is usually pretty easy to hit even in my training even when I'm in the height of training I can usually just hit 13 huh. and my longest fast to date is uh, 46 hours wow and how right. was that that was it was great it was really? really good yeah eventually you get to a point where your body's kind of in a state of bliss if you will and you kind of huh. almost don't feel like you ever want to eat again which is a total trip because I used to be like that hangry person you know it's like oh man like I've got to eat or I'm going to be you know the, you know, I won't, I won't say the word, but, uh, you know, I won't be very pleasant to be around. And now I've totally changed my, my um, perspective. So I, I don't really get um, the same feeling that I had before. So I can enjoy getting energy from not eating. You know, that's so interesting. Like, I feel like you training as a fighter, you have to be so disciplined. And, you know, yes. that victory beer and pizza is nice because you have to be so disciplined for so yeah. long. I mean, is that tough for you to, to stay on track? Are you able to, to kind of get in a routine? Like, what's, what's the factor of discipline like in your everyday life? You know, I used to use discipline as my primary source of like, I just have to tell myself no on everything that I can't have and I just gotta stay hyper-focused. And, and I would say that I still have discipline, but it's a little bit of a different stance. Instead of saying, no, I can't have pizza, no, I can't have beer, no, I can't have that Reese's, no, I can't have that. It's like, I've just changed my, my mental state a little bit and saying, you know what, I'm not gonna say no to myself, I'm gonna say yes to my goals. Mm. So I started switching instead of saying like, oh, I can't have that, it's like, but I can have I can have this. I can have my goal. Like I'm gonna look a little bit more at the long term. So I'm gonna say yes to waking up lighter tomorrow morning. I'm gonna say yes to my diet. I'm gonna say yes to my victory. I'm gonna say yes to how hard I work in the gym that I deserve this. Uh, I deserve the best version of myself. And so just a little bit of a mental shift for me and that's been a lot, I think, healthier. I think a lot of times as athletes, we drive ourselves into the ground and we go the hardest route. And, and, and sometimes we, you know, I would say in the moment we can thrive from the challenge, but a lot of times it's like we took that candlestick and we lit, lit it from one end, then we lit it from the other end, and then we cracked that thing right open and we lit it from the middle. <laughs> we were burning at all ends, you know, and, and we're on fire and it's great for the moment. But a lot of times the mental health aspect yeah. takes a big toll. It's a big hit because we sacrifice so much and eventually we kind of get to a place where there's not much left to burn and that can be really detrimental. You know, this is where we have like those heavy talks of, you know, mental instability or, or you know, suicide and like, you know, I think as athletes we sometimes forget how to live life a little bit. We forget to how to look at it in a way that makes us feel good about what we're doing. We just driving and driving and driving. And so I've worked really hard at the second chapter of MMA mm -hmm. to shift my perspective. It's the same goal. I'm just looking at it as a more whole person instead of depriving myself. I'm looking at it as like, I'm gonna look at this as a positive, right? So I don't have to have the negativity to be my driving factor anymore. Is that one thing you think a lot of fighters that maybe don't have as much perspective of you struggle with is that burnout? Yes. Yes, absolutely. It's such a, it's such a intense sport, and I say that because it's full contact. 
You know, I have appreciation for all sports, and I've learned so much about the NASCAR world and things that I never, never thought to appreciate about racing. Um, so I've learned a ton. So I really do have a lot of respect. But I'm saying when your day in the office is to glove up and throw down, it's, you know, you have a bad day in the office and, you know, like you can see, like, I try to put a little makeup on today, but I'm always proud of my, my uh, I don't really try to cover up bruises and things like that anyways, because it's like, I'm not, you know, I'm proud of those things. Yeah. Um, so you'll see today, if you look closely, that I have uh, some marks up from sparring yesterday. <laughs> and, um, you know, it was a decent day in the office. It wasn't a great day in the office, you know. Um, sometimes you're the hammer, sometimes you're the nail, sometimes you're both in the same day. But um, the burnout is a real thing because we fight every day and we, I think we get wrapped up sometimes in our pride in that because if you boil down fighting, it's one of the most basic human rights and instinct. Yeah. And most everybody's been in a fight in their life at some point, whether you're a fighter or not. Like even if you were a kid on the playground, you've been in a fight, it's primal. It's very primal. So a lot of our pride of who we are is attached to how we perform in inside either for the practice room or especially the outcome when we get into the octagon, you know. Um, I do think athletes a lot of times tie their outcome to their, their self-worth. But when you talk about fighting, it is a little layer deeper, I think, in that it's part of like that core belief of like our strength to carry ourselves as, as people, as human beings. And we have made our, our career and our objective and our outlook solely based on that. So it's a it's an interesting dynamic when you break it down that way. I like how you describe the office. You don't have a very typical office. No, <laughs> mine is surrounded by a cage and and uh, involves gloves and the smell of leather and blood. <laughs> so you said glove up, throw down. Like where I want to go back to the beginning. Where where did fighting first come on your radar? Where did you kind of discover a passion for this? I would say that I discovered my passion unknowingly when I started wrestling in high school. And I was 15 years old and I was looking for a sport to do. We had just, you know, we're freshmen in high school. So uh, sports seasons change from middle school. And women's basketball was the only women's sport offered in the winter season. Mm. But we all have a sport that we suck at. Mine is definitely basketball. <laughs> Not, Not my good. sport. No, I'm terrible. I can't jump high. I don't dribble a ball well. And nor do I care to be any better at it, right? Sometimes yeah. we have that sport that you're like, I just don't care to be good at I this. this. I yeah. just, yeah, I just don't like it. Yeah. It doesn't translate for me. And so my best friend at that time, Sharon, we were sitting in English class and she can't play basketball either. And she was like, <laughs> do you want to go out for wrestling? And I was like, what? Like, they don't have women's wrestling. She's like, yeah, I know, but I don't think they can tell us we can't do it if they don't offer it for the girls. And I was like, touche. Let me go ask my mom. Went home, had the conversation with my mom. She's like, I don't think you're going to like it, but if you want to do it, I'm not going to tell you you can't. Thank God, because that was the problem for a lot of women when I, as I progressed through my four years of wrestling in high school, was like trying to get more women to come out. And mm -hmm. a lot of times the answer was, I really want to, but my parents won't let me. So I'm really grateful for my mom yeah. um, and my dad. I cannot say that he was supportive because we kept him in the dark on that. Yeah, we did not really? tell him that I was wrestling for a while. For how long? <laughs> Probably more towards the end of, of my first season when my wow. mom was really sure that I was going to stick it out. You went a whole season. I he went, didn't like, know. No, he didn't know. Wow. Yeah, and he wasn't too thrilled when he found out. He, You're what? <laughs> with, with who? With boys? Like, he didn't like the idea. But um, I was already hooked at that point. Did you face a lot of 
those types of reactions of people asking, why are you doing this? Like, what was the reception of your teammates on the team? I did not have a good reception when I first came out for the team. It felt like we've been through this drill before. We just got to make it really hard on these girls and they'll quit. Really? That was the that was the perspective. They were so, trying to make you quit. Oh, yeah. I mean, there was no doubt about it. They just didn't think that women belonged, nor would we be able to hack it. You know, it, it just wasn't something that was for women. We weren't strong enough, tough enough. We couldn't do it. And it was just kind of like, okay, let's get them out of here, you know? What about your friend, Sharon? Did she end up being on the team with you? Yeah, she did. And so we primarily wrestled against each other, um, but with one distinction my junior year for for some reason she decided not to go out for wrestling and i remember being so upset at her because huh. i was like i'm gonna be the only girl like you're my main training partner but it ended up being the best thing because then i was forced to train with the guys every single day hmm. and it actually taught me a lot and i learned um you know, I learned so much more. Um, the, you know, the physical differences between men and women are pretty clear. But when I was competing against them, I, I started to learn different movements and different ways of being athletic. So I, I started distinguishing what is the difference? Like, why is it that they get these things and I don't? And I'm like, you know what? When they shoot, it feels like some, a brick wall's hitting me. I was like, let me try to feel like a brick wall, you know, the best that I can. Like, I'm not going to rely on my flexibility in this. I'm actually just going to try to be as powerful as I can. And I switched my objectives and those things. And yeah, maybe I wasn't as strong as, as them, but I certainly became stronger than other females that I was training, that I, that I would compete against. With wrestling being kind of your primary background, where did MMA first come on your radar? Because that's a bunch of different disciplines on top of wrestling. It certainly is. So when I went to college, I stumbled across an MMA club sport. And I really would like to say, again, another um, woman who gave me an idea and I wasn't super reciprocative. Her name's Rosalia. She was a dorm mate of mine and she did karate. And she's like, I've been looking for, you know, martial arts here at the school and I found it and I would like you to come with me. And I said, no, thank you. <laughs> I said, no, thank you. I, I just, I did not think, I was like, I don't wear a karate suit. I've never done karate. I just wrestled and I don't think that that makes sense for me. And so she actually went to the first practice without me and then she came back and she persisted to to, to bother me about this. And that's <laughs> how I looked at it at the time. I was like, you're bothering me. And she said, Misha, these are former wrestlers, you know, because the wrestling program actually just got cut at my college. I think it was the year before, a year or two before I got there. So mm -hmm. a lot of the guys who came there to wrestle, Central Washington University, were still there, but now didn't have a wrestling program to participate in. So they had created this mixed martial arts club sport. So I said, all right, you're not going to leave me alone. I'll go check it out. And I went there and I was pleasantly surprised. I, on my first day, I learned how to choke people. Really? It's <laughs> yeah. a good first day. It was a great first day. I was like, wait a minute. I think this is right up my alley. She, she's absolutely right. Um, <laughs> this is very thrilling. And, and it's uh, something that I can add on to the wrestling that I already have. I'm very comfortable on the ground. And now you're, you're adding submissions. Wait, what is this? An mm -hmm. arm bar? What is a triangle choke? What's a rear naked choke? Yes, please. And so I kept coming back. Is that the moment where you put the pieces together like, this is it, this makes sense? 
Yes and no. So when I said I kept coming back, I kept coming back to learn only the jujitsu aspect, which huh. is just like the, the, the choke holds and the submissions. You know, a different objective than wrestling, where a wrestling is obviously to pin and to nullify the opponent's movement, where jujitsu allowed for more rhythm and flow. But I was completely against learning any striking because I had zero desire to fight. So when they would teach striking, I was like, no thanks, I want to go over in the grappling part and just continue learning grappling. And uh, the, you know, the, the question came up at some point, would you ever think of, of fighting? And I was like, hell no, not a chance. I'm not a violent person. I don't want to hurt anybody and I don't want to get hit in the face either. So this just does not sound like something that appeals to me. I think I'll just stick to the jujitsu. And so I actually, it's so funny sometimes how little we know about ourselves. Yeah. But I was pretty dead set against learning any of that because I'm like, I would never, I never want to fight anybody. You know, I was actually like, I'm a pretty even keel, nice person. I'm the first person to walk away from a conflict all through school. Like I never felt yeah. like I had anything to prove. I just really enjoyed competition. And I didn't look at fighting as competition. I didn't know that yet because I hadn't really seen the UFC. I wasn't following it. I did not look at uh, fighting as a sport. I looked at it as like something you had to be angry. And that was like a naive perception. But back in the early to mid 2000s, I mean, that was kind of a lot of people's perspective on fighting was, you know, you hear the things like, oh, it's human cockfighting and sponsors were afraid to be a part of it. Nobody really knew what to make of that. And that was for men fighting. Then imagine right. women fighting. Yeah. I mean, it was very taboo. So I was pretty dead set against it. And then I'll tell you what happened. I got invited to my first amateur MMA event. And I went and I had a visceral reaction to those fights. I mean, I was sweating. I felt like I was, my heart rate went up. I felt like I was literally a part of that competition. And what I also saw were things that resonated with me. I saw heart, I saw passion, I saw determination, I saw the will to never give up, I, I saw people digging deep, I saw all these things um, in that moment and I realized, wait a minute, this is not fighting, like this is a competition of hand-to-hand -hand combat. And so it was very beautiful to me. And if destiny wouldn't have its way any other way, as the audience was leaving, I was kind of sitting there taken back by this whole fight card that I'd seen. And the, the intercom comes on and an announcement is made that in three weeks, they're gonna be hosting an all-female fight card. <laughs> so in your wildest guess, what do you think I did? Signed up. I signed up. <laughs> yes, I did. <laughs> I did. I don't know what I was thinking to be honest, but I've always been kind of that what's the worst thing that could happen kind yeah. of person. What's the worst thing that could happen? I, I just figured, look, I'm gonna jump right in. And I, I did that with wrestling. I did that with MMA. I've done that in so many things in my life. And sometimes, you know, I crash and burn and I learn very valuable lessons. And other times I find very high rates of success in what, what I'm doing because I'm really giving everything to that. So when I signed up, then I had three weeks to try to learn striking. Which obviously, uh -huh. you know, you don't learn anything in three weeks. No, yeah. no you don't learn anything. So um, I tried to make that fight, um, not even intentionally, I guess, but it was just a wrestling match. You know, I tried to make that fight. And it was a very interesting first fight. I'm happy to go into that if you want, but it's a, it's a story. Um, oh, sure. Yeah, okay. So I show up for my first fight and I'm warming up in the back. And mind you, I've never been hit in the face. Right. 
You know, I mean, I, I've never, I've never been in a fight minus like third grade when a little boy wanted to like, and I beat him up by the way. Uh, <laughs> we'll save that story for another time. Okay. Third grade, and it was not something that I wanted to participate in. I was cornered, so. Um, I walk out to my fight and I am cool as a cucumber because I feel like I've, I've just, I just feel calm. I don't know, I just felt at home. I didn't feel worried, I didn't have a lot of anxiety. And I'm fighting a Muay Thai kickboxer. So very much a striker, striker versus a, I won't even say a grappler because I really didn't know submissions that well even yet. So I was mostly a wrestler. So my first takedown, I get it. I'm like, that was so awesome and so easy. I'm used to wrestling guys. It was like slicing through warm butter. Right. So I was so like proud of myself. I'm like, that is so easy. And I pretty much just held her down for two minutes because I didn't know how to punch on the ground. I forgot I could even do that. I was yeah. so new. You're right? still like wrestling mostly. Still wrestling. Yeah. yeah. So I go back to the corner and I remember their advice was, you know you can hit on the ground, right? And I was like, oh yeah. <laughs> well, let me try to work on that. Problem was second round came out. Um, and I'm sure her corner probably told her, like, you, you've got to stop the takedown, so let's implement some things, right? So she puts me in a Muay Thai clinch. For those of you who don't know, it's basically they kind of grasp both hands behind the back of your head, and then the forearms go more on your collarbone area, okay. and they kind of press into you. So, so that now, like, closing distance on her became an issue. And she begins kneeing my face, one of which clean on smashes my nose oh man breaks it real bad and i still can't figure out how to get past this cause i don't even know what a muay thai clinch is i didn't know what it was you know i'd never been put in this position so she's kneeing my face and um i think i'm shooting in and i think at this point i'm probably almost diving at ankles just trying to get past this guard she has on me and she i kind of slide down to her feet and she comes around to my back and she gets her hooks in and she's trying to choke me and i'm in a ball and i remember being on my my elbows and my knees and a very vivid memory of blood pouring so steadily out of my nose that i'm watching this pool of wow. blood get bigger in front of me and i'm just washing blood i mean I'm, I'm pouring blood it's not like drizzling i'm like i'm pouring blood and I'm, I'm also fending off, you know, these chokes and things like that. But in this moment, it's very serene and I'm very much in my own thought process. You know, the rest of me has kind of gone on autopilot, but I'm watching and I, and I, and I kind of come to and I decide this is not the place I want to be in. Like, I don't want to be under her. I'm the wrestler. And if we're on the ground and I kind of lost uh, lost my temper a little bit, if you will. And so I, I remember fighting with everything that I had to get her off of my back and eventually we end up into the, where she's underneath me now, she's in the guard position. And I stood up and I rained down punches from the ceiling. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, and I finally in that moment realized what I was here to do. And it wasn't a wrestling match, it was a fight. Yeah. Full on fight and uh, we stand up after round two. And mind you, I think the rounds were only about two minutes then, so we've done a lot of time to work. And I go back to my corner, and I'm like, I've I've got this. I I know what I'm here to do. And they and they look like they're looking at me like they've see, see a ghost, like they're pet they're terrified. They've never cornered a female before, much less have they seen one with their nose smashed and blood all over. And uh -huh. I mean, it was all over me. It was all over. Liz was her name, the opponent. Floor everywhere, like everywhere. Very bloody match, and. Uh, they're just like, we can't let you go back out. 
Yeah, so they didn't, they threw in the towel. You didn't get to go? I didn't get to go back out. I know, such a like terrible ending. It's like one of those stories, you know, that doesn't have an ending. That's what it feels like to me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that fight doesn't feel like it had an ending. It felt like it was cut short. Um, and I'll never forget the look of relief on her face oh, when she gee, realized yeah. that I wasn't coming back out. Oh, I, yeah, because I, f I finally feel like the beast had been turned on, you know, that the, the, the fire had been lit, and I actually had a better understanding what I was there to do. So I was prepared to go out and smash in round three, but well, we never got never to got write to. that chapter. So, um, you know, I was sent to the back, and mind you, this was amateurs. I wasn't getting paid for this. Now they have rules and regulations for amateurs to keep them safer. You know, they wear headgear, they wear puffy gloves a lot of times, they wear knee, knee pads and shin guards, none of that. This was just like no holds barred fighting. Mm -hmm. And so um, I'm a poor broke college kid that can't afford medical bills. So at, in hindsight, it was probably was the smart decision. You know, I could understand why they wanted me to not go back out for round three. Um, part of me still wishes I could you know, finish that, but it motivated me a ton. I remember I was bleeding over a trash can, sitting in the back, pretty much by myself until my mom found me, and just thinking, I can do better than that. Huh. You know, the seed had been planted, yeah. the fire had been lit, and even though I had lost in that moment and I was, you know, suffering the consequences and the damage, I already knew that I needed to prepare better and that was really was the only difference is that I jumped right into this and I just lacked some preparation. It wasn't that I couldn't be better at it, it's just I didn't have the time. And that was something that wrestling taught me was, you know, I, I sucked on my first day of wrestling. I was no better at wrestling than basketball. <laughs> Let me tell you, I was probably way worse, um, but it was intriguing to me and I wanted to get better at it. And the same thing with fighting. It was like, it was intriguing to me and I wanted to get better at it. So I went home. Um, and the next day, my face looked something like a lion and a raccoon had a baby. <laughs> <laughs> like, I didn't even have Trying a nose anymore. <laughs> yeah, it was just like flat. And uh, I, I had two giant black eyes, so I'll paint the picture for you. It was over Christmas break, too. Grandparents were in from out of town. Wow. Yeah, so I heard it all. I definitely heard quite a bit, you know, the comments, and I didn't really have a leg to stand on, you know, at that point. There's nothing that I could say to make, say that that was a good idea. But I did know that I wanted to do it again. I think I'm like you before that fight where like getting hit in the face or I, I don't know I'm a non-confrontational person I wouldn't find myself wanting to be in those situations and you talked about ble you know bleeding over a trash can thinking oh I can do better than I can do better than what I just did this is just a start does it take a certain type of personality to be a fighter I believe it does what, what kind of personality is that that's a great question. I think it's somebody who is not deterred by um, failure, and by big failure. I mean, I, I think that's a big part of being a fighter is um, realizing that sometimes you are going to get your ass kicked mm -hmm. and it's gonna happen. And you have to, you kind of have to be at peace with that. You have to make one with that. You have to not let that be uh, a reason to stop. You know, there's a lot of things in life that I look at and, um, I hear people will say, you know, I could never do that or I would never do that. And um, that's just a choice. You know, let's say, uh, you know, I'd never, I'd never, uh, somebody would say like, oh, I would never go skydiving. Yeah, but uh, there's just a choice. Um, my choice would be if there's anything that I want to do and I want to set my mind to, I can do it and I will do it. 
And that's just the difference in mentality is like, I will not set limitations on myself. So I will not say that there's anything that I can't do or that I won't do. Yeah. And I think that is part of it too, is um, you have to be ready to uh, face the consequences if you, if you go into something like a fight and you're not prepared, you know? Um, and I think that's really a lot of what it boils down to is just being one with those thoughts in your head. And also not fearing fear itself. Fear is a very healthy emotion. It's, it's there for a reason. You know, a lot of times new fighters will ask me, you know, man, I get so, fr I get so nervous before a fight. I get so, and I say, good. <laughs> I was like, that's your body letting you know you're ready for war. Yeah. Be at peace with it. it, it fear is only a problem when it becomes crippling, when mm -hmm. it le doesn't let you do what you need to do. Fear is a, has an okay place. All emotions have a place in life. Being angry has a place in life. It's not, it's not a bad thing to feel angry. Like if I, if I was to you know, uh, invade your space and you got angry about it, I'm like, well, that's an appropriate reaction, mm -hmm. right? Fear is also an appropriate reaction when you're going into hand-to-hand -hand combat. So if you can become comfortable with the fact that, you know what, I'm yeah, I'm nervous, that's okay. And you become at peace with those emotions, I think that is where the fighter is determined. You know, people who can't become at peace with those emotions, they can't stomach it or they don't want to or it becomes crippling, then fighting is probably not for you. But if you can accept those feelings and if you can be one with those, then I think, um, yeah, I think that's what it boils down to. Do you feel pain in the moment, in the ring, as you're fighting? I don't, to be honest. I mean, there has been moments in time when things have stung. Like in that first fight, I'll tell you, when she was on my back, she actually sat up and she punched me in my ear. It was one oh. of the few times that, yeah, and that really hurts. You know, if you ever yeah. flicked in the cartilage in your ear, it kind of felt like that. Yeah. Um, so I remember that, but mm, like 99% of the time, pain is not something that you feel in a fight. You're just in a different kind of flow state. So you feel impact, you don't necessarily feel pain. What is that? How would you describe that flow state? Like, are you just naturally reacting and you, you don't even know what you're doing? Are there moments of clarity? Like, take me through your mindset in the middle of a, in the middle of a fight. So I would say it switches between all these different modes of, of thinking. Obviously, you have to be reactionary, and that has to be something that you're confident in, something that you've drilled enough in practice to where we call it muscle memory. Mm -hmm. So even if you get rocked, for example, your conscious mind might not really be online, but how are you going to react when you're offline a little bit? You know, And that happens a lot even um, you know, in situations where you're just entirely exhausted and um, you have to just react based on your instincts. So how well have you honed those skills to be the right instincts and the right tracks and the right things that you do? And then there's moments in time where you are separate enough from each other that you can actually then come back online a little bit, take mm -hmm. in information, remember the game plan, notice the things or tendencies that the other person is doing, right? Look for the openings because you can go out there and just be a brawler and throw uh, gravel from your back pockets, you know, so to speak. Um, and you might get somewhere with that, but once you get to a higher level, you realize that fighting becomes so much more about a skill set. So you think of it as like a physical game of chess. It's much more about setting and laying traps than it is about just being the more aggressive brawler, uh, f uh, you know, barbaric type fighter. Yeah. You know, you talked skill sets and 
obviously, as as we touched on, you know, UFC fighting, mixed martial arts is a bunch of different disciplines. When you're going into a fight, how do you analyze your opponent? What are some of the things you're looking at in terms of looking at your style and her style and, and best way to approach it? So I watch film on my opponent um, and I try to break down tendencies and I also ask my coaches for things like that too. You know, unfortunately we, there's film on every single fight pretty much that a person mm -hmm. has had. So you formulate a game plan, but I'll tell you what, game plans can go out the window really quick too. <laughs> so flexibility is very important in our sport. And um, sometimes what was work, what we thought would work isn't working. And sometimes what is working still needs adjusting to, to capitalize because you have 15 minutes to try to physically dismantle somebody to where they can't continue. And mm -hmm. that's the objective. So 15 minutes isn't a lot of time to work. It's a lot of time to get exhausted if you don't do things well or right. So there's also a category for efficiency too. I'll tell you what, throwing punches hard and missing is one of the most exhausting things that you could do. So accuracy is also important because yeah. even if you hit in the wrong spot, as long as you make contact with something, it helps with the recoil. So it puts you back in position faster. When you swing big and you miss, you're way out of position, which leaves you open for a counter-strike and also you have to correct all of that motion to get back into stance and it's it's just exhausting <laughs> so these are all things that have to be taken into account and also every single fight is entirely unique because it's your skills versus someone else's mm -hmm. so it's never quite the same it's never um, I mean, it's never the same at all. I mean, if you're fighting somebody who's a black belt in jiu-jitsu or, or a judoka versus a world champion boxer, I mean, these strategies of what I'm gonna try to bring to the table, it's always a game of how do I match up best in this area compared to this person's strengths and weaknesses. So we're gonna try to play the game of, um, you know, where, where I can match up the best. So there you heard part one of our conversation with Misha Tate and Colby. So many interesting things, I think, that came out from that. My favorite story of hers was explaining that whole first fight and especially that like surreal moment where she is bleeding over a trash can and her only thought is, I can do better than that. Like That takes a unique type of personality I feel like to have that mindset after just you know getting getting uh your nose broke yeah your nose broke yeah um I thought yeah that was crazy her determination is probably you know one of the most impressive things about her but the fact that she didn't even tell her dad that she I was know. fighting for a while is kind of crazy and can you imagine like coming home from college for winter break you haven't seen your your grandparents or anything and you come home and you were in a U in a UFC fight or in a in an MMA fight and your nose is broken and your grandparents are like what's you know what's and wrong having to face all that yeah right like that that's wild and there was no at that time there was no you know there was no career path out of this this was just something that she was it was like a hobby but it was like a very you know detrimental yeah <laughs> detrimental to her health hobby essentially what is it with people who jump on the next level podcasts that don't end up telling their parents about their aspirations i mean mar it made me think of mario andretti and how he went about 
racing with his brother Aldo and did not tell his parents. Especially, like, his dad did not know at all. So what is it about, you know, Misha Tate didn't tell her dad, Mario Andretti didn't tell his, uh, you know, I don't know. Can you imagine not telling your dad something? I, well, I know, and something as grand as that, you know, you picked up fighting, which she even mentioned, like, at the time, you know, it was, it was, tab- it was taboo. Women's fight, like, that didn't, people... People really didn't do that. So, and even the the boys on her team wanted her to make her quit. You put all those factors together. It's like, damn, she really wanted it. Yeah, know? absolutely. She definitely really wanted it. And there was, I don't think she's one of those people that you, that takes no for an answer. Yeah. For sure. I think it, when she's determined to do something, she's going to do it. And, and that's, that's just kind of her mindset. And it's really impressive. One, and then one of the questions I wanted to ask is like what goes through your mind during a fight and especially the concept of pain which she gave a super interesting answer even like describing how you go in and out of this flow state and pain isn't really something you feel in the moment you know you feel the impact sometimes something will sting but it's never really something that you are presently aware of i thought that was so interesting because it's like again trying to put myself in that situation would that be a factor that that you know, weighs in. I feel like if I got in a fight, someone punched me in the face, I would feel that pain. That would be a shock to the system. You know, it's just, uh, I don't know. It's so interesting how, how these fighters are wired. Yeah. I mean, when you watch a UFC fight, I mean, every single punch that you, you witness them taking to the face or anything like that. I mean, it has to hurt. It absolutely has to hurt. But I mean, I I guess their mentality is just different. But to to say that it only stings a little, I was I was pretty um I, I thought that was pretty pretty wild. Well, we've got more with Misha Tate coming up next week, and this part two of the conversation is just as good, if not better, than part one. Uh, and I finished off next week's interview by telling this to Misha at the end, like this is something I feel like I needed to hear other people need to hear she could make an unbelievable life coach because part two of the conversation really goes into the concept of like what does it mean to be successful you know how do you judge yourself based off of wins and losses uh how do athletes cope with retiring and then not only that we dive into ronda rousey and the impact that ronda rousey had on all that it's going to be super interesting to uh to hear that so we're looking forward to y'all tuning in next time it's gonna be a good one it's gonna be awesome i'm excited check out dirty mode media on youtube twitter facebook and instagram dirty mode